All right, ladies and gents, you know what time it is. You are now officially never out of bounds. This is a place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. And this is your host, L. Jamal. You know we're going to get it started for the for your start of the week. We are sitting here at Monday night. And uh, we got, like I said, we got a few things to talk about uh, since it's the beginning of the week, of course. And uh, we're going to talk some NFL. We're also going to talk some uh, baseball as well. But more importantly, let's get right into this war on the street. And, uh, you know, there's some drama going on in Washington, D.C. right now. Uh, the, de- the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein might be forced to resign from his post and he will be meeting with Trump on Thursday. Now, reports uh, previously stated that he was already fired or he will be resigning today. Now, this is coming after a New York Times article uh, basically talked about him trying to record the president and also uh, trying to impeach him using the 25th Amendment. And the 25th Amendment is simply, uh, you know, when uh, the powers that other powers Powers, you know, involved in our uh, government uh, realize the president isn't working uh, for whatever reason and they, you know, replace him. Of course, you know, I'm using layman's terms. It's a little bit more complicated than that, believe me. And uh, they pretty much replace him with his vice president. Uh, also, uh, on December 12th of last year, uh, some the Justice Department released some anti-Trump texts, and these were going between uh, going uh, off between two uh, FBI agents who are no longer uh, working for the Justice Department now. Uh, but basically, these texts talked about tr- uh, trying to bring down Trump, uh, trying to make sure he didn't, you know, win the election, so on and so forth. So now you have a lot of, like I said, a lot of drama. We'd open up a lot of can of worms here. Um, and now, if Rothstein is fired or decides to resign, uh, Solicitor General Noel Francisco will take over. Now, he will preside over Robert Mueller and the Russian probe investigation. Now, the problem with that is uh, he's basically just like this guy here. He's uh, on the fine line where he's, uh, you know, he's allowed to pursue this case, but he's pretty much under the watchful eye of Trump. And uh, he doesn't want to, you know, I guess this person would not want to get on the bad side of Trump. But at the same time, you know, it's almost like a, you know, it's, you know, it's a it's a ridiculous mission because, yeah, you know, you're trying to find, you know, how uh, the Republican Party or the president may or may not have colluded with, you know, Russians. At the same time, you know, your current president is serving and, you know, that's the guy you're investigating. So I can see where it's very, um, very you know, complicated. I'm pretty sure this is why, you know, the actual attorney general, Jeff Sessions, didn't really want to preside over uh, looking over the case. So it's very uh, murky and it's looking like there's, you know, a lot of different sides at play here. Uh, if, you know, if and if, you know, um, the solicitor general, Noel Francisco, wanted to, he could slow down the investigation or if he or if he really felt, you know, like he wanted to do this, he could stop uh, the the whole investigation entirely and fire Mueller. So uh, this is very, some more interesting news just dealing with this whole, this whole drama that is your collusion case. And uh, it's starting, a lot of this is starting to unravel. Obviously there's many layers that we weren't, I wasn't expecting this. So this is like an onion y'all. So I'll keep reporting on this the more that I figure out. And uh, I'll try to I'll try to help us get to the bottom of this because I need to know this shit, too. So we're going to take our first break. y'all. And when we come back, uh, we're going to talk some NFL. Like I said, we got a couple stories to talk about. And then we're going to talk about the scores over the weekend. And of course, we're going to be going over the standings as well and Monday Night Football. And like I said before, I'm going to bring that state of the union for the Steelers for y'all. So I'll be right back, y'all. All All right, y'all. So we're back. And like I said, we got some uh, football news right here for you guys. And Earl Thomas may may find a new team. I don't know. That's not official yet. Uh, well, it is official that the Kansas City Chiefs uh, are interested in tra- uh, tr- trading for him. Uh, they are interested in acquiring the services of the three-time pro baller. Uh, there's no real package that I've seen that they have. Uh, ready for him or how they would make that work per se. I don't know, um, you know, what the pieces they were going to use. That hasn't been reported yet. But uh, the 
the Kansas City Chiefs are definitely interested in his services. So far this year, he's been playing really well. He has 18 total tackles as of yet, and he has three interceptions. So he's active. He's still uh, making plays at this uh, this stage in his career. So he's definitely a viable option. Um, this would basically uh, give them a load of secondary. Uh, they already have their starters out there, Ron Parker and Eric Murray. Uh, but hopefully uh, Daniel Sorensen and Eric Berry, uh, their top defenders, at least in the secondary, uh, they should be coming back soon. If I'm not mistaken, Eric Berry should be around week five. Uh, Sorensen should be coming back within the next couple of weeks. If you add somebody of Earl Thomas's caliber, you can make this a load of secondary. So, um, and it would make a lot of sense because Kansas City does need help specifically along the passing, uh, passing side of things in their secondary. So, uh, you know, again, I don't know all the uh, details just yet, uh, but definitely Kansas City is interested. So if that move happens, don't be surprised. Now, the other big football news, we got to get this one out the way. And I'm, you know, a little bit sad for my 49er fans out there. Uh, your boy, Jimmy G, uh, he suffered a torn ACL in yesterday's loss to the Chiefs, and he'll be missing the rest of the season. So, uh, it's a series, of course, it's one of those serious, you know, tears, um, you know, and it's unfortunate because uh, watching that game, I had to see the highlights because when you, you know, you just look at the box score, uh, it tells you one thing. And you, even if you look at the stats, you know, it's just one part of the story. Um, and he didn't do that. He didn't do that bad either. But um, when, you, when I saw him play, uh, he was really accurate uh he's on the money i think he definitely has the potential uh to eventually be a playoff caliber quarterback uh given the right tools around him in san francisco but uh it sucked to see him go out yesterday because it, it was an avoidable situation he didn't he probably didn't have to take off or anything like that or he probably could have slid a little bit better uh young you know those, those young quarterbacks they do take off a lot and that's you know how they get up you know, end up getting hurt. They just don't, you know, how to, you know, not run, throw the ball away or, you know, slide, you know, to avoid the contact. So they, they take, they, they get those tweaks early on. Um, you know, this one is going to set the 49ers back. Uh, CJ Beathard will now be the starter. Uh, he went 123 or 220. Uh, he went 123 out of 224 in terms of passing, uh, pass completion uh, percentage, or yeah, passing completions. Um, he had he had uh, 1,430 yards, four touchdowns, and six interceptions as a rookie last year. So I mean, he you know he definitely has experience. Uh, he's you know no spring chicken. Uh, his numbers uh, probably, I think at this point, might not even reflect his talent now i think he's probably a lot better than you know where he was you know last year but uh definitely a tough situation to be thrown in and, and i wouldn't i you know it's not enviable i definitely don't think i would want to be him <laughs> i mean just 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 given the circumstances but all right y'all this this is monday monday night you know what that means monday night football and uh tonight's game uh did not disappoint as well this isn't thursday night football so it never really it, it pretty pretty much you know does its thing it hits it hits those nerves uh the steelers took on the buccaneers uh tonight and both well in terms of the steelers uh like i said i'm going to be doing a state of, state of the union address about them a little bit later in terms of the Steelers, uh, they were looking for their first win, and for the Bucks, they were kind of, in my opinion, they were trying to solidify just how good they were. I talked a little bit about Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, last week, uh, well, yeah, a little bit last week, just asking, you know, just how good he was, how good he could he possibly be. Uh, we got a chance to see in this game. Uh, the Steelers came out on top, though, 30-27. to uh, they pretty much had a dominant uh, game, especially in the first half. Uh, but in the second half, the Bucks, you know, started making those plays. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick did show up, and uh, you know, for for you know the amount of time he was given, uh, but they just ended up coming up short. So let's go over these stats real quick. And in terms of passing, of course, uh, Ben Roethlisberger led the way for the Steelers, 30 of 38, 353 yards. Three touchdowns and one interception. In terms of rushing, they're still trying to find a piece there. Uh, again, James Conner, he did the, the bulk of the work, but he ends up only getting 61 yards. In terms of receiving, uh, they always have great receive, uh, great receiving cores. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, as usual, uh, he definitely did his thing. He had nine catches for 160 yards. Tight end Vance McDonald, uh, he had a... He had a uh, 
a, a good game. You haven't heard his name too much in the past few years, but he had uh, four catches, 112 yards, and a touchdown. And Antonio Brown, the big-time diva, uh, he also helped out as well. He had six catches for 50 yards and a touchdown. And in terms of defense, John Bostic led the way with six tackles and a sack. So, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, how – you know the you know how Pittsburgh looked. Again, uh, they lacked the running game, uh, so they didn't look super, you know, balanced. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, you know, you know his presence is definitely felt definitely when it comes to you know being balanced with moving the ball. And I know in the beginning of the year, you know, you might not see it all the way. You might not see some of those, you know, those faults. But deeper in the season, if they and if they do just so happen to make it to the playoffs, you're probably going to see that uh, those those issues arise again, and it won't be pretty. Now, in terms of the Buccaneers passing wise, we got Ryan Fitzpatrick. Uh, he had a pretty pretty decent night. He went for 411 yards. Uh, he had three touchdowns and three interceptions, of course. Uh, you know, neither, neither one of these teams uh, ran the ball particularly well. Uh, the Bucks only got 33 yards from Peyton Barber. So Ryan Fitzpatrick was, you know, on the forefront of making plays. And uh, when you're, you know, your offense is pretty much that one-dimensional, uh, that's what, that's pretty much what happens. And I encourage teams, you know, uh, you know, get get a get a really solid back and get you three or four yards of carry. Have a balanced offense because you know I think a lot of these teams are struggling. And if you look at some of these stats, you you can see why. You know, a lot of these teams they're throwing the ball down the field pretty pretty well, pretty decently. But when you look at those rushing yards, they're almost non-existent this year. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe the defenses are just that great when it comes to you know tracking down running backs or whatever. You know, maybe it's the lack of fullbacks. I don't know. But the running game is just its not around this year, and I don't really like it. And this is why I like college football. But anyways, in terms of receiving for the for the Bucks, uh, Mike Mike Evans did his thing tonight. He had six catches, 137 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Godwin also helped out as well. He had five catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. Cameron Bray, their backup tight end, also had a touchdown uh, catch as well. In terms of uh, defense, cornerback uh, MJ Stewart uh, he led the way uh, with eight total tackles. And safety Justin Evans he had five tackles and an interception. So you know. Know, pretty uh pretty good game well at least in the second half of the bucks but again like i was saying just not enough uh just not enough to get over the hump and the steelers finally get their first first victory of the season albeit be honest with you wasn't i mean uh that second half was ugly again and uh i'm you know i'm very uh very i'm very not what's the word I want to say I'm unsure about that defense and again you know everybody's you know they want to throw out defense you know nobody takes defense seriously uh no more I don't know what the what the big deal is with that but defense does win championships so never never overlook it all right I think they would help tremendously from from being able to stop a lot of this a lot of that a lot of those scores and scoring and a lot of that. But anyways, uh, back to the back to some more scores over the weekend. And the big upset uh, that I gotta talk about was the Bills and the Vikings. Uh, the Bills came in uh, came into Minnesota and beat that ass twenty seven to six. I'm surprised. I'm shocked. I thought the Bills were dead on arrival. I thought this was the end for them with Vontae Davis and all that drama. But I was wrong. So let's get into these stats right quick. That's why I always like to do this. Is this is how we do it? Uh, Josh Allen, uh, he had a pretty decent game. Uh, he had, he went 15 for 22, 196 yards, and a touchdown and two rush TDs. So the rookie is finally getting into the swing of things, and it was against a defense like, uh, you know, it was against a defense like the Vikings. You know, nobody was expecting that. So. Definitely uh, give him his kudos for that game. And in terms of rushing, Chris Ivory, the OG vet, he had 56 yards. And he also had uh, three three catches. Uh, and he also had a and seven yards as well. Uh, in terms of receiving, uh, Jason Kroon, uh, he helped out. He had a touchdown as well. And in terms of defense, Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker, helped out with 10 total tackles. And also uh, linebacker Matt uh, Milano, he also had eight total tackles and an uh, interception. Now in terms of the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, uh he had a he had a decent game. Uh he threw he threw a lot of passes. Uh he went forty of fifty five, two hundred ninety six yards. He also had a touchdown and an interception. So uh you see, you know, 
He he didn't have the greatest game. He you know he like I said he threw the ball a lot, but uh, again that interception you know did no help. Uh, didn't really help it help a thing. And in terms of rushing, Mike Boone and Latavius Murray poor poor yardage in terms of total yardage. Uh, poor you know poor in terms of uh, poor effort in terms of average per carry. Uh, very low, and you know both of them combined, no touchdown, so no help there. Uh, but in terms of receiving, uh, they got a lot of help there. Adam Thielen had 14 catches for 103 yards. Tight end Kyle Rudolph, one of my favorite tight ends in the game, uh, he had five catches and a touchdown. And uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty game. It wasn't a pretty game on any on any. Uh, on any type of level for them. Uh, very, very ugly offensively. Didn't do a whole lot of scoring. Oh, and defensively, uh, defensive end Steven Weatherly helped them out with seven total tackles and a sack. But uh, offensively, there was nothing there. Uh, I don't know, you know. And again, if you look at the if you look at the stats, I'm gonna keep pressing it. No running game. Again, the, the you know. Uh, you know, at least the Bills, they were able to get two, a couple rushing touchdowns. They didn't, you know, have a whole lot of yardage, but at least Josh Allen was able to get two rushing touchdowns. Chris Ivory was able to get some yardage rushing. Uh, no touchdowns, though. But, again, there's a there's a lack of rushing this year. I don't know what it is. I can already see it. I don't I don't like that. You know, it's, it's like a lack of, of really good running back play, and it's, and it's really annoying to me. Like, I really have a problem with that. I, I like to see balance in my football. I don't. I don't like that. I really don't. I really don't like it. But uh, let's get back to the rest of these scores. Um, you know, another big game that we had was uh, the uh, Falcons and the Saints. Now, this game went into overtime. It's probably one of the better games of the season. Uh, the Falcons ended up winning. Uh, I'm sorry. The Saints ended up winning 43-37. to Again, like I said, uh Back and forth offense all throughout the game. No real defense, in my opinion. There was a couple sacks here and there. Uh, but let's get to these sacks. Uh, Drew Brees went 39-49, uh, 390 yards, three touchdowns. And he is now the league completions leader. He beat out Brett Favre. Uh, in terms of rushing, Alvin Kamara, the second-year man, uh, he had 66 yards. Um, in terms of receiving, Michael Thomas had 10, uh, 10 catches. Uh, 129 yards. Alvin Kamara also helped out as well with 15 catches with 124 yards. Ted, uh, Ted Ginn Jr., Cameron Meredith, and the fullback Zach Line all were able to score uh, with catches, though. So there you go. Now, in terms of defense, the Saints were helped out by Cameron Jordan, who had five total tackles and two sacks, and Demario Davis, who had eight total tackles. Now, uh, let's get on to the Falcons. In terms of uh, Passing for them, Matt Ryan, of course, uh, he had another tremendous game, uh, 26-35, 374 yards, five touchdowns, and I'm not mad at that. Um, I think he, you know, played a great game again. Another game where nobody rushes the ball. Uh, Atlanta had a total of 54 yards rushing. Tevin Coleman had 33 yards total, and he averaged 2.2 yards a play. That that doesn't work. That does not work. Uh, also, uh, in terms of receiving, though, the rookie Calvin really, Ridley had a monster game. Uh, he had seven catches, 146 yards, three touchdowns. And Muhammad Sanu and also Tevin Coleman also caught touchdowns as well. So, I mean, like I said, offense all over the place. Uh, but, you know, when it was all said and done, the good old G, your man's in them. Drew Brees, he gets it done again. Really. Seriously. All right, let's get to the rescue scores. Uh, the Giants beat the uh, Texans 27-22. Uh, the Packers uh, lost to the Redskins. That was a that was a little bit of an upset to me. 17-31. Uh, the 49ers, like I said, of course, lost to the Chiefs 27-38. And the Raiders, uh, they end up losing another close game to the Dolphins. Uh, 20 to 28, and I was going to talk about this game. It was another heartbreaker for me. Uh, really close game, a game that we were winning. Uh, but let's just get into these stats. Derek Carr went 27 of 39, 343 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Marshawn Lynch, he had 64 yards and a touchdown. 
Doug Martin also helped out with 43 yards. And in terms of receiving, Jordy Nelson uh, had a turn-back-the-clock game. Really solid effort from him. Uh, he had six catches, 173 yards, and a touchdown. So definitely it looks like, you know, Derek Carr is trying to throw the ball. Like he's trying to do his thing. But, uh, again, uh, it was a terrible game from our defense. Our defense just cannot close out games. Uh, but in terms of uh, defense, we got help out from Leon Hall. Uh, he had three total tackles, uh, but the defense only recorded one sack overall. But one silver lining that I will say is the is is our defense is our defense only allowed 15 yards from 15 yards of rushing from their running backs. Now I think uh, Tannehill made a couple plays. I think he had up to 27 yards in total. Uh, but really, a good game overall in terms of running defense. But again. This is a league where nobody passes, so it, I mean nobody runs the ball anymore apparently, so it doesn't even matter. But uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, in terms of the Dolphins, uh, Ryan Tannehill had a solid game, uh, well, actually a good game. Uh, he went 17 to 22, uh, 289 yard, uh, 289 yards, and three touchdowns. Now in terms of receiving, Jakeem Grant, uh, he had two catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. Albert Wilson, uh, he got in the mix. He had two catches, 74 yards, a touchdown. He also patched for a touchdown as well. So, all around, just a bad game for the Raiders. Uh, Kenny Stills, he helped out. He had three catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown. And your man, Kiko Alonso, he did his thing defensively. Uh, the old Oregon Duck alumni from back, uh, from back about a couple years ago, about 2013, 2014, something like that, helped him win a Rose Ball a couple years back, a couple of Rose Balls on top of that. But he had 15 total tackles so all over the place. So, you know, good game uh, from the Dolphins. They did enough. Uh, they did what it took to come back, and uh, the Raiders still can't find their way. So it sucks for me because I'm, you know, we now 0-3. But moving right along. Uh, we got the Colts and the Eagles. They t they uh, saw each other on Sunday. The Eagles won that twenty to sixteen. Uh, the Titans won an ugly game against the Jags nine to six. The Bengals lost to the Panthers twenty one to thirty one. Uh, the Broncos lost to the Ravens fourteen to twenty seven. In the Battle of L A, the Rams beat the Chargers thirty five to twenty three. Uh, the Bears beat the Cardinals sixteen to fourteen. The Seahawks finally got something together and was able to get their first win, beating the Cowboys twenty four to thirteen. And finally, the old student was able to get the master today, or at least Sunday. Uh, the Lions beat the Patriots twenty six to ten. Matt Patricia. Uh, sticking it to his old head coach, at least for today, like at least for Sunday. I don't know why I keep saying for today, but we're going to take another quick break, y'all. Uh, like I said, we're going to go over the State of the Union uh, for the Steelers, and we're going to also go over the standings as well. And uh, later on, we're going to have some baseball. So uh, we'll be right back, and y'all enjoy. All right, y'all, so we are back. We're going to finish up everything for the NFL and we're going to go over the standings for week three, uh, starting with the NFC. We're going to go to the NFC East first. And the Eagles are sitting at top, uh, two and one. Here comes the Redskins at number two, two and one as well. Uh, we got the Cowboys and Giants rounding everything out. They're both tied at one and two. So uh, the, the NFC East is still... You know, I still think wide open. I don't think any of these teams, uh, maybe with the exception of the Eagles, uh, really solidified yet. Everybody has something to prove. Uh, the Eagles are still my favorite at this point to, to see things out there. Uh, going on to the North Division, uh, we got the Bears on top at 2-1. and one. Uh, The Packers and the, the Vikings are tied at three, uh, 2 and 3 respectively. Uh, they both have that win. They have the tie against each other, and they both have a loss. Now the Lions are bringing up the bottom end. They're sitting at one and two. Uh, the Bears, they're a little bit surprising. Uh, it still is relatively early. I like the Packings or the Packers, excuse me, or the Vikings. Uh, one of those two teams, I w I would say is is probably going to win this division. Uh, the Bears, I, I think it's too early to tell for them, but you know they are on top right now. Uh, now in terms of the South. Uh, the Bucks just took their loss tonight, so it's a pretty much a three-way tie. Uh, the Bucks, the Saints, and the Panthers are all at two and one, and the Falcons are sitting there at the bottom uh, with that loss yesterday. They're officially at one and two. So uh, again, the season is playing itself out. We just saw the Bucks take their first L of the season. Uh, the other two teams they have already taken L, so. 
things are shaping up to a degree. Uh, there's still no clear forefront in that in that division. Uh, we still got the Falcons there as well. They are sitting at one and two, but you don't necessarily want to count them out either. Uh, but moving on to the uh, the NFC West, we got the Rams on top. They're at three and zip. Uh, the only undefeated team I think left, uh, if I'm not, no, 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 never mind. We got a couple other undefeated teams left, but they are the only undefeated team left in the NFC. Uh, so they're definitely dominant. We already know about their defense uh, with Adama and Sue, uh, with their secondary Marcus Peters. So they're dope. I pretty much they're in the driver's seat in my opinion. Of course, they probably take their few lumps during the season, but they definitely win this division. Uh, we got the Niners. Uh, they are one and two. We know by the loss that they just suffered. The two losses that they suffered, they did lose the game against the Chiefs, and then they also lost their starting quarterback for the rest of the year. So, two L's. There you go. They're at second. Uh, that's liable to change within the next couple of weeks. You do have the Seahawks at third. They're also at one and two. A little bit disappointing for them, but we all knew with the struggles, uh, with their own line and. You know, with all the players who they lost, the defensive players that they've lost over the, over the past couple of years and even this last offseason, it hasn't been too good for them. And then you got the Cardinals sitting there at the bottom, uh, zero and three. Zan Bradford still the starter there, and uh, I don't think there's any hope to be had. Uh, you got David Johnson making plays, but uh, that's about it. That's that's pretty much about it. But moving on to the AFC, we'll go through the standings here, starting with the AFC East. And the Dolphins are still on top. They are 3-0. and zero. Uh, One of the two undefeated teams left in the AFC. Uh, three in total, if you count the uh, Rams, for undefeated teams left in the NFL. Uh, we got the Patriots coming in at number two. Uh, the Bills and Jets also, uh, basically everybody else is 1-2 and two in the AFC East. Uh, Patriots, Bills, Jets, uh, really... I don't know what to make of these teams. Uh, the Patriots took an ugly loss to the to the uh, Lions. Uh, the Bills were able to get a surprise dominant win, uh, at least on a defensive end, against uh, the Vikings. And the Jets, of course, they they lost their game. They gave up their first. Well, they gave up a loss uh, to the Browns and basically gave the Browns their first win. So uh, I like the Dolphins as of now. I haven't said that before. I haven't said the dog. I haven't said this in a while, but the Dolphins kind of look good. Just, just you know, looking at what we have right now. Uh, again, there's no. I think in terms of the undefeated, I think the Rams hold on to their undefeated uh, attack a little bit longer. But I think the ba- the Dolphins will be battle tested. They had to go through a hard fought uh, Oakland game uh, this weekend, so they will be battle tested even if they do take a couple lumps. Uh, but again. Uh, really solid team there. Uh, going to the NF, uh, the AFC North, excuse me. We got the Bengals on top, two and one. Uh, the the Ravens are at number two, two and one as well. Uh, the Browns they're sitting there at three. They are one, one and one. And then also you have the Steelers up there, one, one and one. Of course, they tied against each other in the first week of the season, and they both ended up taking L's the next week. Uh, but you know, looking at everything right now, I, I still think just to be on the positive side, uh, I do like the Bengals right now. I do think they are in position. I don't know about the Ravens. I think they're just, you know, uh, it's hard to say. None of these teams have uh, great running games, you know, right here. I think the Bengals could probably run at least the, the best out of these four teams. But in terms of league-wide, you know, none of these teams are that great running the ball. So uh, none of them sticks out to me at this point. But moving on to the NFC, AFC South, excuse me, uh, the Titans, uh, they were able to get that ugly win, 9-6 versus the Jags. Uh, that was good enough to put them at 2-1 and one at the top of the South. Uh, we also got the Jags at number two. Of course, they took that L. Uh, they are at 2-1-2. Two and one two. And we also have the Colts. They are sitting at one win and two losses. And then you have the Texans. I think the Colts and the Texans, even at this point, you can kind of uh, just scratch them. I think the real thing you want to see here is the Jags' development with Blake Bortles, especially since they don't really have the top receivers. Again, I didn't really have them as the favorite. I had the, the Titans as a slight favorite only because of everything that's been going on with the Jags and their receivers. But the Titans haven't looked so great either. Marcus Mariota hasn't really uh, dominated and actually had that signature game, in my opinion, that makes me believe that he's a passer. So uh, 
you know, at this point, I still think it's a little bit open with the two, with the Jags and the Titans. Uh, but I think you can pretty much, even at this point, exclude the Texans and the Colts. I, zero and three is hard to come back from. And I know the Colts just don't have anybody to help out Andrew Luck. So I'm not really going to put too much thought into them. Uh, in terms of the AFC West, the Chiefs were on top, uh, three and zip. They're led by their uh, top notch second year quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who's leading the league. A lot of different uh, statistics right now, so uh, look for them to keep that going. They'll probably take their loss eventually, probably within this division. I I don't I don't see why the Broncos or the Chargers could knock them off. Uh, the Broncos are sitting there at second. Speaking of them, they are at two and one. Again, they are an enigma. I don't really know what to make of them. Uh, neither are the neither the Chargers. Uh, they look really good on paper. They seen they had a solid game uh, that they let go versus the Rams. Uh, so it's very hard to say that there's a lot of people in the beginning of the year that said they had enough juice to win this division, the AFC West division. I really didn't see it. But again, then again, I didn't really see Kansas, the Kansas City Chiefs doing it either. And I for sure didn't really expect uh, Patrick Mahomes to be as much. So I could be wrong. And then, of course, you got my boys, the Raiders sitting there at the bottom at zero and three. Uh, I have to do a state of the union, a state of the union address on them pretty soon too. Uh, that'll probably be my uh, last in death. Uh, State of the Union address will be with them for the moment, and then I'll just kind of bring everybody, bring a bring a few teams together, uh, just to explain where they're at. But without further ado, I wanted to, you know, present my State of the Union for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, this may trigger my Pittsburgh Steelers fans, aka the Yenzers. That's what they call themselves. I think it's a stupid name too. But uh, let's get right into it. My fellow Yenzers, uh, the past 10, 15 years of my life, I've seen your team go to at least two Super Bowls. Uh, you won, you've won them. Uh, you actually, I think, yeah, you lost one and you won another. Uh, two great Super Bowl, uh, at least appearances in terms of how you guys looked. I won't take anything away from you. Uh, from what I've seen, I have seen a lot of, especially in the last few years, a lot of elitism, a lot of, you know, we're better, we have six trophies, a lot of that mentality. And not only have I seen it with the fan base, uh, maybe I'm pretty sure every other fan in the NFL has seen it. We're starting to see it with your team. We're starting to see it with your Le'Veon Bell and his contract holdout shenanigans. We see it with your offensive line and them going to Twitter and the social media to will call themselves excommunicating from that running back. We're talking about last year. We saw the dysfunction last year and the years prior with the uh, anthem protest and how everybody just had so much of a different view on what they wanted to do. We also see a head coach in, you know, Mike Tomlin, who I always thought was a solid brother. And I always, you know, looked up to him because he was an OG, because he was doing it, you know, he was one of the few black coaches to be, you know, winning Super Bowls, to even be in the picture. So, you know, he has a lot of my respect, but at the same time, maybe sometimes you do become a player's coach at some time. Maybe, you know, you just get so used to, you know, just being popular as opposed to actually winning that things, certain things slide. That's why you have a, a diva ride receiver who threatens reporters because he's not having his way who has temper tantrums on the sideline. And then we haven't even talked about this year yet. But, you know, even with tonight's win, uh, they're sitting there at 1-1-1. One, one, and, one. and for a team that's as illustrious as they always claim to be, that's that sucks. I'm just going to outright say it. I'm tired of hearing about the black and yellow. I'm tired of hearing about the terrible towel. Okay? You had one great little win with Santonio San Holmes. And you haven't really been relevant since, and you haven't been able to beat the Patriots since. You let Patrick Mahomes dissect you, throw all over you in his second year, and he didn't even play last year. He came to your hometown, he came to y'all Heinz Field for y'all ketchup, named after y'all ketchup, and destroyed you. Now you almost had Ryan Fitzpatrick 
trying to pull off a comeback on you. Still threw for like three hundred something yards, four hundred something yards. You don't have a pass defense. This is not this is not your grandfather's and your uncles and your daddy when he was a kid back there with me. This is not this is not those same Chargers. This is these are the Mark Ash Chargers. Oh, sorry, Steelers. My bad. See, these are not your mean Joe Green. This is not your this is not your Jack Ham Steelers. No, this is this is. Uh, we complain all day about the past not being thrown to us, and then and then and then on Monday night football only put up fifty yards. Antonio Brown. Oh, the ball don't ever come my way. The ball don't. No, really, what it is is Juju Smith-Schuster outworks you every Sunday, and you can't handle it. That's what happens. You have a game where Vance McDonald's, the the backup tight end, will outperform you. You have games where Jesse James, the tight end, will outperform you. This is what we see. Now I'm sure they probably did better tonight. They might have done better tonight, but they're ten to twenty six on third now. That does not work in the playoffs. That's a terrible percentage. That's an important down to be converting on. I'll tell you also, they've given up a hundred. Yards to two different receivers. As a matter of fact, no, to three different receivers this whole season. If you count, uh, if you count your man Mike Evans tonight, they've given up a hundred yards to three different receivers. Jar- Jarvis Landry gained a hundred yards in the first game of the year. The fucking Browns, dude. I think y'all should wake up. I think the league is not the league that y'all y'all think this is. This is not the league that y'all can just lay up and just put any team together or keep whatever team together and expect y'all to go places. You cannot beat the Patriots. You just lost to the you gave up you, you lost to the damn Jacksonville Jaguar. This team, in my opinion, it's it's at a plateau. Now, for what it's worth, they have great offense. And if they do make it to the playoffs and are ap- and and are able to right the ship in some way and win their division, it'll be because of their offense. Their second and pass offense, with their twentieth in rushing, but that's only because Le'Veon Bell don't want to play. They got they got drama. They got mad drama, yo. And I'm sorry, like I, I can't I can't buy a team with mad drama, yo. And re- uh, recently, I came across an interview by one of their Hall of Famers, well, soon to be Hall of Famers, James Harrison. He is sitting there comparing Bill Belichick and Mike Tomlin, and, and it's like it's night and day, you know. Uh, even with y'all coach, you know your coach, you know, is not respected by you know by y'all by y'all Hall of Famers by y'all Ring of Honor, you know. And it's and it's a and it's a sign. And, and like I said, they are at a plateau. They're stable. They got their little first one of the season, so everything's okay for now. Uh, but they have a tendency to either go up. Or they can go down in the hell in a handbasket. Or they can get right the ship a little bit, uh, get that record a little bit evened out, you know, start start drafting for the future, maybe get a replacement for Big Ben. They they claim to have one with Mason Rudolph. I'm not 100% sure. I wouldn't buy into that. I would definitely, you know, see life after Le'Veon Bell. If it takes trading him away this year, I'd do it. Get rid of him. If he don't want to play, i get out. Hey, Small, you know, you know, between me and you, I get rid of Antonio Brown too, just for the extra, so you know you can get something back for real, for real, and have extra draft picks or another player who can play, who wants to play, who's not gonna put you in hella drama. Bottom line is, I'm gonna wrap this up like this: Steelers are a bunch of drama, and I don't even think they all that no more. So, with that note, y'all, we're gonna take one last break. And we come back, we got some MLB news to talk about. We're going to be talking about these postseason awards, MVP and Cy Young tonight. And then we're going to also be going over tonight's scores as well as what the playoff picture is looking at, uh, looking like. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right, my peoples. So we're going to wrap this up for tonight. We got some baseball news here. And, of course, it's getting to the end of the season, which means we have our MVP races and all the end of the year's end of the year awards coming up. So tonight I'm going to talk about a couple of the finalists for the MVP and the Cy Young Awards. In case you don't know, the Cy Young Award is for the best pitcher of both leagues, the American and the National League. I'll be talking about some of the more, some more of the uh, end of the year awards as well. 
as more as well as some more uh, MVP candidates and some Cy Young candidates in uh, later on down the line with, in terms of this week. Uh, so let's get right into it. In terms of the MVP race for the National League, uh, we got two uh, big names. We got Freddie Freeman, first baseman of the, of the Atlanta Braves. Excuse me. He currently has 11, 111 points and 16 of 29 first place votes. Uh, he's third in on base percentage, and he's also has a 371 batting average uh, since uh, July, and he has an uh, 8.96. Uh, I'm sorry, 8.96 offensive percentage. So he he he's he's responsible for runs. He's responsible for batting runs in. So he's all over the place in terms of hitting. So definitely dynamic. And he's definitely one of the reasons why the Braves are where they're at in terms of uh, bringing home a, a playoff spot, getting into the playoffs. Now the second big name here for the NL, the National League, is Nolan Arenado, uh, third baseman for the Colorado Rockies. He's currently at 101 points, 12 first place votes. He leads the National League in, league in homers with 34, and he currently has 102 RBIs. And he's definitely a forefront in his team's success. Um, the walk, I'm sorry, uh, Colorado is borderline uh, pretty much between either a wild card, uh, definitely a, well, a outside wild card shot, or possibly winning their own division. So he's definitely keeping them in the mix there. Uh, in terms of the American League, uh, Mike Trout is the number one guy. Uh, he has 25 or 30 place first uh, first place votes, although I think uh, his – his popularity has gone down a little bit only because his team hasn't been performing well. Uh, that's why I wanted to bring up some other candidates up tomorrow. Uh, this this race has this race uh, just, you know, um, with the exact opposite of the National League. The National League is kind of almost set. Uh, in terms of who they're who they're leaning for, in terms of Freddie Freeman, uh, the American League is a little bit more open. So I want to talk a little bit about mo more about those candidates as well in the future. But uh, he, like I said, Mike Trout has 140 points, 25 of 30 first place votes. Uh, he has career highs in on base percentage, which is 460, and also in offensive percentage, which is a whole uh, 1.06096. Uh, so definitely offense. Offense heavy game, uh, definitely responsible for the Angels' uh, runs production, of course. So uh, definitely, uh, he deserves his um, his spot there. He has thirty eight home runs, or, which is the most in the yeah, actually the most in both leagues. And he's the first player uh, with ninety nine walks through one hundred and nine games. So that's pretty. That means he's definitely commanding the pitch counts. He's definitely controlling. Uh, well, definitely running things at bat. So, uh, definitely, you know, he's been a name. He's been a, he's been, a, I think he's won it. He's definitely won it a few times. And definitely a name that always is within the top of anything in the in the AL, in the American League. So, one of the best players. Uh, we got, and we got, finally got Mookie Betts, right fielder for the Boston Red Sox. This is personally my favorite. Uh, I hope he really wins it. Uh, I'm really rooting for him. He has 78 points. Of course, like I said, things uh, have fluctuated, so I have to uh, key you guys in on that uh, maybe tomorrow or uh, the next day because uh, this race, like I said, um, is a little bit more wide open than the National League. But he has the best average batting average in the league at 339 and the best slugging percentage in the, in the, in the AL in the American League at 625. So he hits pretty he hits a good amount of homers he hits off for rbis basically like i'm saying what i'm saying is he hits for good power so in layman's terms and he is the youngest player in boston in history uh with 100 home runs and 100 steals this guy is amazing i like the way he plays i even like him on the defensive end uh i, I love it I, you know no homo <laughs> i like i like this cat man he's he's really dope he's he's the shit he's a, he's a brother so i definitely got a root for him and about the race thing he just can ball so i like it i like it uh in terms of the cy young award uh we're gonna go with the national league first uh caution man max scherzer is number one he has 121 points uh this is a seven straight season with two uh 200 strikeouts he's currently sitting at 290 strikeouts so he's close to 300 and this is the second one Longest streak in in, uh, in baseball history. This year, his uh, record is currently 17 to seven, and he's second in the uh, National League in terms of earned run average. He's currently at 257, which is a pretty decent. Is actually pretty good, really good. Um, 
Uh, Jacob DeGrom, he's your second place as of now. Uh, he's coming in with 76 points. He's allowed two runs in uh, five. He's only allowed two runs five times in 22 starts, which means he's not giving a lot of runs. He doesn't give up a lot of points. Uh, he has a 2.21 ERA, and is uh, this is the second lowest in the NL since uh, 2013, and he's currently at a 9-9 record. But that's not really reflective of his ability. That's more so reflective of the of the Mets just sucking, sucking, and not and giving him tremendously low run support. Meaning they don't give they don't help him out by creating a lot of points for him to work off of. And uh, he's currently at a one point seven uh, seven ERA this for this season, which is the best. In baseball, and he currently has 259 strikeouts. Now, in terms of the uh, the American League, you've got your, one of your perennial favorites, uh, Chris Sale. Uh, he's currently sitting at the top with 125 points. Uh, he's definitely been a favorite, but he has not won uh, the he has not won a Cy Young award yet. But he's currently sitting on 22 or 28 first place votes, and he's leading the AL in strikeouts with 229. He also has a two ERA. So again, not a whole lot of runs, uh, shuts a lot of teams down, and uh, he looks he looks pretty damn good out there. Again, this is another another good season for him. Now at number two, we got Justin Verlander, another OG. Uh, this this guy's coming from the Houston Astros. He's currently sitting at 92 points. Uh, he has a 2.6 ERA, still really good. And his record this year is 16 and nine, and he only has 28 home runs that he's given up. So, and this is like the lowest number of all the top, at least the pitchers that I saw within the the uh, Cy Young mix. So he's definitely still got it. He's been good since the Detroit days. I've hated him since then. He's had so many countless. Uh, playoff games against my A's and which he just shut them down made me so frustrated. Uh, but again, he's still in the mix. Uh, again, and uh, he's pretty much part of that that potent rotation in uh, Houston right now. That's keeping them on top of the AL West. Is what's going to help them win. So uh, that's. For tonight, these are your top uh, MLB candidates and your Cy Young candidates. Let's go through these scores for, from today real quick. And uh, the Nationals beat the Marlins 7-3. The Astros beat the Blue Jays 5-3. And like I said, they're holding on to their uh, lead in the AL West by four and a half games. The Yankees beat the Rays 4-1. Uh, the Orioles beat the Red Sox 2-2. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Red Sox beat the Orioles. It's uh, six to two. Uh, the Pirates beat the Cubs five to one. The Indians beat the White Sox four to zip. The Brewers beat the Cardinals in a close in the Central Race. You got to be, all these games matter. The Brewers beat the Cardinals six to four. The Rockies beat the Phillies uh, ten to one. And we got the Mariners beating the. Uh, I'm sorry, the A's beating the Mariners seven to three, and the Padres beat the Giants uh, five to zip. Now in terms of the standings. Uh, Pretty much the playoff, uh, at least in terms of divisional winners, these are pretty much already, well, except for the AL West, and I think the NL Central, well, and the NL West too, uh, they've been pretty much determined. But in the AL West, uh, I talked about this last week, Boston already won the AL East. Um, I'm sorry, uh, they're at 106-51, 5-5 in the last 10. They'll be going in the playoff. In the playoffs, baseball looking really good. Uh, at number two, we got the Yankees. They're at 96 and 60. Uh, we all know about them. They're going to probably get that uh, wild card with the A's. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Uh, but they're definitely looking looking as though they're going to be that wild card team. More and more, they're definitely going to be that wild card team. Uh, in the Central Division, we got the Indians. They're at 88 and 68. Of course, nobody's uh, touching them. Like I said, they pretty much have claimed that division. And in terms of the West, uh, we got the Astros on top, 99 and 57, 7 and 3 in their last 10. Uh, the A's are right behind them, well, four and a half games behind them. They're at 95 and 62, 6 and 4 in their last 10. And with four and a half games back, uh, I think it's it's. It's only right that we just kind of, as a fan, I'm just looking at that wild card. I don't know. That's just, I don't know if we make, I don't know if we can catch four and a half games, but we definitely have a chance with that wild card. Uh, but let's go to the NL, uh, starting with the NL East. And the Braves have pretty much wrapped that uh, division up. Uh, the Braves, they're sitting at 88 and 68. 
66 and six and four, excuse me, in their last ten. Uh, the Nats are the closest second. They're at 79 and 78. That's too far. That's too far to make up in this this short amount of time. Uh, this is the last week, like I said before, and it's a wrap. The, the Braves got that. And in terms of the Central, we still got a three. I would still say a three-team race. Um, cards possibly have a chance. But anyways, we got the Cubs on top, 91 to 65, 6 and 4 in the last 10. The Brewers were right up their tail. Uh, they're 90 and 67, one and, f- one and a half games back. Uh, they've also gone 6 and 4 in the last 10. So everybody's kind of um, stayed the course and kind of st- had their same pace, uh, which is why it's it's kind of hard to see uh, who's going to get that wild card spot, really, uh, if uh, the cards end up, you know, winning out the rest of their games and the Rockies don't win the NL West. Uh, but speaking of the NL West, we got the Dodgers and the Rockies battling out. Uh, the Dodgers are at top 88 and 69. They've gone eight and two in their last 10. They're trying to hit that, uh, that high octane push just to kind of, you know, to set things up and finally get that, that division. It's not set in stone yet. And yet the Rockies right behind them, 86 and 70, one and a half games back. Of course, they've gone five and five, so not um, not on the same pace as the Dodgers, but still, right? They're only one and a half games away. So uh, again, this it's imperative that one of these two teams, if they want a shot at the playoffs, they would they would have to win their division because uh, we go to the wild card. Uh, like I've been saying this whole time, at the, in the AL at least, you got the A's. And the uh, the Yankees gonna they're gonna go head at it, and the big question between them right now is who's gonna be you know the first who's gonna be in the first place slot so they can have home field advantage. So that's the most important thing now. Um, I don't think the Yankees, I, but I still think we have the roster to win in, in New York or at home. So either way, I don't think the Yankees really want us. Uh, but in terms of the NL, where it's gonna be very tricky. Uh, we got Milwaukee um, and St. Louis. Now, St. Louis is at 87 and 70. Now, you know, that at 87 and 70, you also have to ask yourself this question, too. What happens to the Brewers? So, uh, man, especially if they end up winning uh, the division, which they could. They won and a half games back. This is a very interesting situation, and I like this. It gives gives us it gives me something to think about uh, because the Brewers could very well uh, win that division and make a situation which uh, definitely the Dodgers would have to win out because it would be uh, – well, the Rockets would have to win out because it would, be, it would be St. Louis and the Dodgers for the wild card. Uh, but – Again, or no, no, it'll be the Cubs. The Cubs will just take that spot. So, yeah, either way, it's looking like an all-NL Central um, wild card game. So, uh, just looking at everything now, unless, you know, it's imperative, you know, either one of those teams, the Dodgers or the Rockies, if those teams want to make it, if, you know, if you're a fan of those teams, if you want to see your team go to the playoffs, they're going to have to win out. This is it. They're going to have to win that division because, uh, again, I do not see – I don't see the Cardinals or the Brewers really slipping up. Um, and like I said, it's looking like an NL Central wild card. Sorry, y'all. Sorry. You're going to have to get your shit together, Rockies, real quick. You're going to have to win that division. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap it up for tonight. And the next show, uh, I'm not exactly 100% sure all the stories yet. Uh, but I do know I'm going to be talking about that uh, MGK. And then I've been trying to talk about this for a while now. I wanted to talk about that white boy beef. That's that's the main thing I'm going to be talking about. But all right, y'all. Y'all have a good night. Peace out. Much love.